favorite thing I think that I said last week, it really ministered to me throughout the week when I was putting this message together. You cannot overcome what you don't confront. I had this picture of David with this army, but hiding behind a rock. This is what so many believers do when it comes to overcoming something in their life. I imagine David hiding behind a rock and just declaring the giant defeated. I declare you defeated. I declare you defeated. He's still there. I declare you defeated. David had to step out from behind that rock, throw a stone, and then he had to walk up, get the sword, and cut his head off with his own sword. It got pretty gory, but he had to do something. He had to confront fear. He had to confront the giant. So many of us let anxiety become a part of our lives because we don't want to confront it. We let certain fears become anxiety. Anxiety is really a fear dwelled upon, and if we're not careful, it can become the filter that we filter every major decision we make through. We can filter everything through anxiety if we're not careful. But when we confront the lie, actually say it out loud. Get somebody who loves you and say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what the enemy is lying to me about. Call it a lie, because that's what it is. Identify that lie, then begin to declare the truth over it. Begin to declare the truth over the lie. Lies lose power once they're out in the light. And then when you declare the word over it, that begins to tear down that mindset, that lens of anxiety. And it begins to give you a new mindset where you're filtering every decision you make through the lens of a son and a daughter of God, through a king and a queen's eyes. We are also ambassadors. That's from 2 Corinthians. An ambassador is not subject to the laws of the land he lives in. An ambassador is subject to the laws of the country where they're from. An ambassador is subject to the laws of the person who they represent. We're ambassadors in this world. Paul calls us that on purpose because the laws of this world say we should be afraid of some stuff. The laws of this world say there's probably a lot of things to have anxiety about. But this isn't our country. We're from a different kingdom. We're sons and daughters. We're kings and queens. And when we begin to speak the lie out loud, declare the truth over it, then when a decision comes our way, when we're at a major crossroads in life, how do we decide what we're going to do? Through the lens of our kingdom, through the lens of God's kingdom, through the lens of a son and a daughter. Man, that's good news. Proverbs 25.2 says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the honor of kings to seek it out. The word glory and honor are from the same root word. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. You can also say it is the glory of kings, of queens to seek it out. We're not meant to understand everything. We're not meant to have a path laid out for us, steps one through 100 to get where we're supposed to be going in life, what we're called to do. There is a little bit of mystery to it, and that's part of the plan. I think that's why it's called taking a step of faith. Did my countdown go away, or would I already go over it? I got five extra, 55 seconds, that was a cruel trick. All right. No, you guys are doing great. It's the Lord's to conceal a matter, it's the glory of man to seek it out. There's a step of faith we need to take, maybe every day, but we don't have to know the answer because we know, and as we get to know the Lord in our time with him, in his presence, It's like Ava Jo did not try any food besides macaroni and cheese until Mike Cavell, who she'd known from birth, cooked this amazing meal. 
It was Thai curry. She's eating it. We said, Ava, why are you eating this? You don't even eat stuff that looks like this. And she said, well, Mr. Mike made it, so I knew it'd be good. When you know the chef, when you know and you spent time in his presence, saying yes to God might not be the safest answer, but we weren't meant to be safe, right? It's going to be good. In other words, there's some adventure to it. We were meant and we are called to adventure. And we filter things through the lens of the kingdom instead of the lens of anxiety, man, we'll see some major changes. Amen? Hey, five minutes. I did it. I'm not counting those 10 seconds I went over. One time I said I was closing in 10 minutes and I got a text from Paul, my good buddy Paul, like 20 minutes later. That was a countdown. He started running when I said 10 more minutes. And he texted me when it said like 22. So anyway, that's a good friend, right? That's a good friend. Hey, so you got to confront the lie. You cannot overcome what you don't confront. I got something I want to show you. Another video. Hey, and you know, it won't distort so much if you turn the audio down on the computer. Anyway. Okay. I got another quick video I want to show you. It's super quick, but uh, there's a reason for it. And uh, I think, here we go. See if this is it. Getting there. Maybe. <laughs> I heard a little voice. One more time. This is better than my review. Okay, one more. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Right there. That's enough children screaming. That seriously is my favorite video on the internet. And there's some good ones. That, my favorite video before this was that chicken that somebody put pants on. He's running around the chicken coop in pants. This is now my new favorite video. And the reason it's my new favorite video, it's because I laughed really hard and watched it a hundred times in one day. But it's also, it's because I'm those kids, right? I think. Here's the difference, I think, between an adult and a kid. We just have bigger bodies. That's pretty much it. I really believe that. We're pretty much kids in bigger bodies. Um, but you know what? I identify with these kids, and I bet you do too if you're honest with yourself, because you know, this is Pop Goes the Weasel, Jack in the Box, whatever you want to call it. What does it have that knocks them off their feet? It's got the element of surprise. But let's be honest, that's about it. It's got the element of surprise, but it's got no more power. It's got no authority beyond that, but it knocks these kids off their feet. And how many times do we get knocked off our feet? Things come our way, they surprise us. We, we, have, we, we have things that don't jump out in front of us. It might startle us, but today I wanna to talk about what are we gonna do from that point? How are we gonna respond from that point? Because you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with being startled or knocked off your feet a little bit. That's a part of life. 
I do think we could probably get to the point when that doesn't happen. I bet some of those kids won't be as freaked out the second time. They might. If the video went on, there's one kid that his dad starts doing the dun 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 dun, and he runs over from the other side of the room, and he goes, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it. He's like, you don't want me to do it? He's like, no, don't do it. But you know, I think that's a good picture too, because how many times does something knock us off our feet, and then instead of responding to it in faith, or or, or with the eyes of, of the kingdom, through the lens of who we are in the spirit, We just continuously respond through that lens of anxiety. And not only do we let it knock us off of our feet every time, it starts to change the way we even view our environment. I mean, our rooms, our homes are supposed to be places where we can unwind. We can relax more than anywhere else. This poor kid couldn't even enjoy his own room because the pop goes the weasel is hiding in the corner, right? How many of us get like that? How many of us let the things that come at us and things will come at you Because we're going the opposite way of the enemy, right? So we're going to run into them. We're bound to every once in a while. And sometimes we just run into the stuff the world throws at us. And if it knocks us off our feet, you know what? That's all right. Let's talk about our response. Let's talk about what we're going to do. We're going to get back up. We're going to respond in courage and instead of fear. And it's going to change our life. And if you want to know, I identify the most with that kid that growled and started kicking. Because when you look at that kid, you can tell he doesn't even think about it. He just has that automatic response of, and he starts kicking and screaming, right? I don't even think about it. Sometimes I'm just kicking and screaming like that, right? And we're fighting this thing that we're not even meant to fight. In fact, Paul said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against powers and principalities. You can't kick them, right? But we can begin to see life and view Everything that comes at us through the lens of the kingdom, through the filter of a son, of a daughter, of a king, of a queen. And what do kings and queens have? They have subjects, right? They are not subject to anything else. They're not subject to the fear. Kings and queens aren't subject to what comes at them. What comes at them is the subjects of them. That was not a confusing phrase at all. It's one of those things you can think about it three different ways and you're still like, wait, what? The point is, you're a king and a queen. Cause and effect. Another way to look at this here is, I want to say this. This is kind of the main point of today. Fear is contagious. It is a contagious, it's more contagious than a virus. It's more contagious than whatever you got going on on the inside of you or physically. Just like fear is contagious, Courage is contagious. Fear and courage both have to start somewhere, and then they will spread through a group of people like wildfire. And you see this all the time. You see it in the news. You see it in real life. But fear and courage are contagious, and we have a choice every moment of every day to decide, are we going to be conduits of fear, or are we going to be conduits of courage? I want to choose to be a conduit of courage every time. Not just every once in a while, but every time. And I believe we can get to that point. Uh, another good way of looking at fear and courage, I was thinking about it this week, is, is uh, you know, when, when you respond to things in fear, when that's your lens, it's almost like you're a thermometer, right? If you can get this picture. 
You're a thermometer. A thermometer responds to what's around it. A thermometer responds to the climate in the room. And it says, this is how warm it is. This is how cold it is. When you respond in fear, you become subject to everything that's around you and nothing else. Everything that's happening affects you instead of what you're called to do, which is you affecting the climate that's around you. You're the king, you're the queen, you're the son, you're the daughter. But when you live life responding in fear, you can only respond to what's happening around you pretty much in the same way everybody else is responding. It's also the difference between a leader and a follower. The Bible clearly says that as believers, we are leaders, not followers. The head, not the tail. Above, not below. But that's a choice. We have to choose to walk in that. When you respond in courage, instead of a thermometer, you're a thermostat. The things that are going on around you aren't affecting you. You're affecting them. You walk into the room and the whole thing changes. You walk into the room and all the fear dissipates and that courage that you carry on the inside becomes what even other people in this room begin to respond with. It's positive peer pressure. I mentioned last week, you know, my friends that were jumping off that dock. Did I talk about that last week? My grandmother had, lived on a lake and these guys were jumping off the, the roof of this dock into the water and it took me maybe three summers to work up the courage to climb up to that roof and jump off. But you know what, the more they did it, and I, look, they're okay. They're coming up out of the water every time. It took a while, but I eventually caught some of that courage. I climbed up to the roof and I jumped off and had such a great time. Courage is contagious. And in the same way, fear is contagious. I wanna be a conduit of courage. I wanna be a carrier of courage. We can make that choice every day. You know, somebody that, that lives out of courage instead of fear, you'll see a difference in them because when the political climate says there's an economic downturn, when the job market says there's lots of people out there without a job right now, instead of staying at a dead-end job, instead of, instead of, of, of walking around subject to what the economy is saying, Somebody that walks with a filter of courage and of the kingdom finds a need in the middle of that economic climate, meets the need, and then you can see them, you, you see them become successful in the middle of an economic downturn because no matter what the economy is doing, there's always needs that should be met and that can be met. And the Bible says that the Lord gives us the power to get wealth. We're the ones that are supposed to be coming up with creative ideas to meet the need. We're not subject to what's going on. You know, the music industry, uh, if you read the news, if you pay attention for the last five or six years since streaming music really picked up, I mean, people just talk so negatively. You can't make money in music anymore. You can't make money selling CDs anymore. And you know what? Some of that is true, but independent artists, in fact, more artists that make music than ever before are making a living doing it. Because when the, the economy and what you hear is all saying, look, things are making a, a downturn, people are streaming music, there's people that have found ways to live off of making music in the middle of this downturn when you can't do it anymore. 
you want to get into the details, man, you don't have to have a record label anymore. There's this thing called the internet. And it used to be bands make $100 and a record label kept $90 of it. But now you don't need the big record labels anymore. My point is this. It's not a business thing. But my point is this, is when, when the world is saying one thing, there is always something the Lord is saying to you that usually doesn't go along with what the world is saying. When you are an ambassador of the kingdom, when you're making decisions based on the fact that I'm a son and I'm a daughter, there are ways that God is showing you, creative ways to respond. I want to look at the life of Joshua. Joshua was one of, uh, one of the children of Israel that came out of Egypt and if you don't know much about him, I think you probably do, but he was one of Moses' right-hand guys. And uh, Man, Joshua, just there's some amazing details to his story. You should read about him. He, he's pretty great. So Joshua, one of the first times we really get a great look into uh, the mindset of Joshua is the children of Israel, just to give you the picture, have fled Egypt. They've walked across uh, the Red Sea. It parted on both sides. They didn't have food in the desert, but manna showed up every night and they were, I mean, every morning they're able to eat it. They wanted meat. Quail came from the bushes and those weren't even the most amazing miracles they saw. They literally were led through the desert by a cloud during the day and a fire at night. The Bible says the presence of the Lord was in the cloud and the fire. They heard his voice audibly more than one time. They saw so many miracles, so many amazing things. The Lord continuously told them, I've given you a land. You're walking out of Egypt into the promised land, and they're standing on the edge. They are literally on the edge of the end game. They're standing on the edge of the place God has called them to be in life, and they send out 12 spies. Go spy the land out. We need to get a grid for what we, you know, we need to go in and conquer, and this is our land. They send the 12 spies out, and uh, Joshua and Caleb are two of them. And then I, I want to read uh, part of this story here from Numbers 13. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. It is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. They brought some back with them. But the people living there are powerful. I think that's where they lost it. Here's the fruit that we brought back. This is what the Lord is giving us. Look at this huge promise he's laying out in front of us. We get to go in. This gets to be ours. But instead of choosing to be a conduit of courage, this is what they say. Here's the fruit it produces, but the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants. It was the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live there, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites. They all live in the hill country. We'll never take the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast. I was looking forward to the beach. We'll never get the beach. Caleb spoke up. Caleb said, no, no, let's go at once and take it. We can conquer it. But the other men, the other 10 disagreed. 
We cannot go up against them. They're stronger than us. How do they know? They spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people were huge. We even saw giants. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. So all of a sudden, they become mind readers as well, right? We felt like grasshoppers. And when they looked at us, that's what they were thinking. I know what they were thinking. I know what she was thinking. I know that face. We looked like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. They could have done one of two things. They could have chosen to be conduits of courage or conduits of fear. They chose fear. Everybody except for Joshua and Caleb responded out of the land of fear and anxiety. And let me show you what happens. We're going to read a few more scriptures here. Numbers 14, verse 1, the very next verse. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Fear is contagious. And you know what kind of path that leads you and other people down? Paths of sorrow. Not even the good kind. I think there's a good kind of sorrow, right? The sorrow that comes from grief. I've talked about this in the past two years. I almost like it. I almost need to feel it. I actually like when I feel sorrow from losing my dad. I actually enjoy those moments in a, in a, in a way. It makes me feel like I'm still alive a little bit. And the promise is always true that joy follows. Joy always follows that kind of sorrow. But this is not that kind of sorrow. This is a sorrow that kind of comes from self-loathing. This is kind of a sorrow that comes from feeling sorry for yourself. They're at the edge of their promise. All they have to do is step in and take the land because that's the word of the Lord. The same God that they saw in the smoke, the same God they heard his voice, the same God who they, they saw the ground swallow up enemies. Part of me just wants to, how could you not know? How could you not be in faith at that point? How could you see these things? How could you witness the plagues in Egypt? And think any giant, any person could stand in between you and what that God has promised you. But when you let fear in, oh, I know what they were thinking. They saw us. We looked just as small to them as they looked big to us. We can't do this. Fear leads to sorrow. Numbers 14, 2 and 3. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Here's the thing. This promise wasn't just for the people that were about to walk in. This was their land for them, their children, their children's children. This was for them. This promise was for them and their descendants. But what does the enemy do through fear? He detacks the word of God inside of you and he attacks the promises that God has made you. Look what fear does. Not only are we gonna die, our wives and our children will die. They're gonna end all of us. But the exact opposite was the promise. Not only are you and your children going to thrive, your descendants from this point on, the enemy was attacking the word of God and the promises of God in their life through fear. And these 10 spies were the conduits. 
These 10 spies are who they caught it from. Fear leads to confusion. Why did God bring us out here? To die. And you know what confusion does? Confusion is a dream killer. I'm telling you, confusion is a dream killer. What is going to stop you from progress more than standing at a fork in the road and instead of hearing God go left or go right, you either stand still or you just turn around and go the other way? Because I've seen it happen in a lot of people's lives. Either they get stuck or they revert. But when you respond out of who you are in the kingdom, a son, a daughter, you know what? You hear the Lord's voice and you keep walking down that path. Confusion is a dream killer. Fear leads to confusion. And then when you keep reading, I know this is a lot of reading today, but story time. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua and Caleb, tore their clothing. They said to all the people, the land we traveled through and explored is wonderful. The Lord is pleased with us. He will bring us to safety in the land and give it to us. It's rich. It's flowing in milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection. The Lord is with us, not them. Don't be afraid. These guys are speaking the truth. These guys are standing in front and they're saying, listen, you're feeling one way, but here's the truth. Here's what the Lord says. They're reminding them of their promises. They're speaking out of love. They're saying, no, come on. This is for us. Here's what fear does. The whole community began to talk about giving Joshua and Caleb a pay raise. And the whole community began to say, these guys are right. Listen, what were we thinking? And the whole community said, hooray for Joshua. Hooray for Caleb. That's not what it says. The whole community began talking about stoning Joshua and Caleb. The whole community said, no, we need to stone these guys. Man, when fear comes in and sets its grip in you, God, you know, even the truth sounds like a lie. Even the truth could lead you to this place where you're just angry. How many of us have been there before? Let's just be honest. (laughs) How many of us have been there before? I know that the Lord has said this to me, but it's been so long I haven't seen it. I've been waiting on this promise and waiting and waiting. Do you know what fear says? Maybe you just won't see it. Maybe it's just not in the cards. Well, here's a little test. Are you still alive? If you're still alive and there was a promise made to you, it's not too late. Here's another test. Are things good right now? Romans 8, 28 says that he makes all things work together for the good of those that are in Christ Jesus. If it's not good, it's not the end. I don't care if you've given it 20 years. Give it more time. But fear, when it sets in, man, it leads to anger. It leads to anger. And look, instead of lifting these guys up and recognizing the truth, fear says, no, let's get rid of them. Get them out. I don't want to hear that anymore. I don't want to hear that anymore. How many of us have been there? I don't want to hear this right now. If I hear one more prophecy about this, I'm just going to put them all in a little prophecy bin and burn them. I'm just tired of it. Look, the Lord is saying something to you. Receive it, no matter what it looks like on the outside. 
Fear is what's telling you to give up. Fear is what is telling you it is too late. Fear is what's leading you to that place of feeling sorry for yourself. Well, I've been so good. I go to church and I've been waiting and I still don't see it and, and blah, blah, blah. And fear is what leads you to the place where you're confused, where you're asking questions and, and nothing else. Well, I don't understand, God, why? Look, get some peace from Proverbs 25, 2. It's the Lord's to conceal a matter. It is the glory of kings to seek it out. Just keep going. Just take another step. And I'm telling you, you will see these promises fulfilled. Say no to fear. Tear down that culture of anxiety that you built up in your own mind. Begin to build up a culture where you're filtering every decision through this. I'm a son and I'm a daughter. Man, my kids love Disney movies, and I keep thinking about that scene in Beauty and the Beast, either the cartoon or the live action, where you know Gaston gets a little bit jealous of the beast, and he goes back to the village, and he's like, he's got big teeth, and he's got fur everywhere, and he's evil, and we're going to kill the beast. And the whole mob, you know, they get their torches, and it's, kill the beast. And they march on this castle they didn't even know existed. They march on this place they didn't even know about. They know nothing about this beast except for the fact we're gonna get rid of him. And it's because Gaston chose to be a conduit of fear. Yeah, that is good, thank you, Lucas. <laughs> Lucas knows what I'm talking about. Lucas has seen Beauty and the Beast. It's a good movie. Live action or, or animated? Yeah, I can go with animated. It won Best Picture, first cartoon ever. There's some trivia. You didn't know that. <laughs> now you know. Kill the beast. Kill the beast. All right. Last week I tried to sing the office theme song and nobody sang along. If I sing a Beauty and the Beast song, will we all sing it? Yes. Okay. No, no, not that one. Um, be our guest. Be our guest. Put our matter to the test. Come to our world and be part of our family. Be our guest. Thank you. All right. Happy Mother's Day. I'm going to go, we're going to sing another one before this time is over, too. I'll think of one. We're going to fast forward 40 years, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. We're fast forwarding 40 years. The children of Israel did not walk into the promised land that day. They wandered around for 40 years, and in fact, everybody from that group, not just the 12 spies, everybody from that generation was gone except for Joshua and Caleb. 40 years later, they're back on the edge of the promised land. Remember, there was 10 voices that came back from the promised land and said, no, 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 no. Yeah, it looks like the kind of place that God would give us because it's flowing with milk and honey. It looks like his promises, but it can't be because they were big guys and we're small. Joshua, 40 years later, in Joshua chapter one, verses two, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but pretty much uh, here's just a little bit. Moses, my servant is dead. This is God talking. The time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised to Moses. Wherever you set foot, 
you will be on land I have given you. He goes on to say, be strong and courageous. Take the land. You can read that for yourself. But he goes on, God, to say, be strong and courageous. So do you know what Joshua does? He calls his men into the room and he says, go through the camp and tell the people, get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, said. The Lord your God has given you a place of rest. He's given you this land. He doesn't speak to the size of the people in the land. He doesn't talk about their armies. He sits down with his guys. He goes, here's our promise. This is our land. We're going into it tomorrow. He chose, just like he did 40 years earlier, he chose to be a conduit of courage. He told them what the Lord said, not what fear says. He tells them their promises. And then in Joshua 1.16, they respond, we'll do whatever you command us. We'll go wherever you send us. Being a conduit of courage, instead of causing sorrow to ride and spread through a group of people, do you know what it does? It causes confidence to spread through people. I'm confident in what the Lord is showing me. I'm confident in the things he's sending me and the places he's sending me. I'm confident in what he's calling me to do. And then, you know what happens? They get to the Jordan River, and just like that Red Sea parted 40 years earlier, the Jordan River does the same thing. It parts, and they walk into the land of Jericho. And you probably know that story. They march around the wall. The wall falls down. But they walked through the Jordan River on dry land, and that's the second thing. That's another thing that being a conduit of courage does. It opens people up to the miraculous. You know what? You're not going to see anybody healed unless you walk up to them and you say, hey, I need to pray for you. The Lord told me that you have something wrong with you and I want to pray. And then you're going to see somebody healed because you've taken a step, stepped out in faith and done that. You've become a conduit of courage and it leads to the miraculous. And if you keep on reading the book of Joshua, I'm not going to read any more verses, but I'm going to read you the headings in the New Living Translation. This is the bold print that's above each chapter. The next chapter, the fall of Jericho. Shortly after that, the Israelites defeat Ai. And shortly after that, Israel defeats the southern armies. The next chapter, Israel defeats the northern armies. The next chapter after that, here is a list of the kings defeated east of the Jordan River. Victory after victory after victory, further up and further in, taking a step every day into the land that God has promised them, taking more and more land every day, all day, without fail. When you choose to be a conduit of courage, even people around you start taking steps towards the things they're called to walk in. Well, maybe you're thinking, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not the person that has that kind of influence. You are. Whether you like it or not, if you got the Holy Spirit inside of you, the Bible says a few things about you. It says you're salt. You're the salt of the earth. I think every one of us in here, we're from the South, we would notice if something was cooked without salt, right? Would you notice? You would notice. The Bible says you're salt. The Bible says that you're a city on a hill. The Bible says that you are a light in the darkness. Whether you like it or not, and whether you think you are or not, you are an influencer. You are somebody that people notice. And you, filled with the Holy Spirit, can still make the choice to be a carrier of fear or a carrier of courage. I'm telling you, when you walk into a room, you might feel 
like a thermometer, but you're not. You're a thermostat. You set the atmosphere. You set what's happening. That atmosphere does not affect you. You affect that atmosphere. Whatever you go on Monday through Friday, whatever your office is like. I've heard so many people, oh, my office is a dark place. How could that be true if you are there? You are a light. You are a light. So shine bright in that office. And if the office needs more light, shine brighter. That's you. That's you. It's not dark once you walk in. There's life there. Man, this is life is called. We are called to adventure. We are called to excitement at every step. Choose to be a conduit of courage. It is so contagious. Walk with it every step of the way. Let's all stand together. You know, the Lord has given us each gifts. You have gifts. Worship team, come on up. Prayer team, come on up. You have gifts that are on the inside of you. Use your gifts. Use your gifts to be conduits of courage. If you're a writer, write things that cause faith to rise up in people and hope to rise up in people. If you are a painter, paint from the perspective of victory, from the perspective of a son and a daughter. If you're a singer, sing songs that bring hope into people's life. Encourage people. Every one of you, you're encouragers. Encourage people to be who they are in Jesus. Jesus.